But what you really get is an afternoon where you've drunk wine, you've laughed, you've giggled, you've bitched, you've howled, you've cried. And that, there's a science behind that. Welcome to Ciao Bella, hosted by me, Erica Firpo, a travel journalist based in Rome. Each episode of Ciao Bella, I sit down with Italy's creators, contemporary artists and artisans, designers, culinary experts, heritage brands, and innovative estites, and more who are defining and redefining 21st century Italy. Pull up a chair and join in. Hey, welcome back to Ciao Bella. Today I am here with Debbie Travis. Debbie Travis is a British Canadian master of paint and plaster, as Oprah once called her. She is a lifestyle guru. She wears so many hats. She's an author. She has done, she brought DIY to television. She is kind of a woman of many, many, many skills, and she's in Tuscany. Welcome, Debbie. Good morning, good morning. Yeah, it's, I'm in uh, Tuscany, a bit overcast, but uh, it's great to be back here. Yeah, fantastic. We're, we're, we're actually, we have sunny today in Rome, which is really nice for this January day. We've had a little bit of gray. So it's great. It's really, really great to get you on Ciao Bella. I am so excited to talk to you because um, I do know a little bit about you. I, I, I have had the privilege of kind of cyber stalking you. Ah, okay. <laughs> I know we have some friends in common. I've seen, I've, I've been a big fan of what, you, of what you do, but your career is, is so huge and it's so, um, it's so broad, you know, it's, and I want to know what brought you to Italy. So let's, let's go back and tell everybody what brought a British Canadian woman to, to Montefalonica. Um, well, I, yeah, I, I, I am actually British, um, but I had a, quite a few years in Canada because ah. basic, basically I, um, I lived in London all my 20s, behaved as badly as most people do in their 20s. And um, I was a model. I know it's hard to believe now, but I was. And, and I <laughs> Absolutely up... not. Absolutely not. For someone who was like, I just rolled out of bed, you're gorgeous. <laughs> Oh God, thank you. But anyway, I um, but I wasn't a very good one, and I I did a lot of television shows, catalogs, and and commercials and stuff. And I was intrigued by the behind the scenes of these commercials. I wanted to be that producer running around with a clipboard. You know, it was way more interesting than you know trying on lipstick and stuff. And so I I found a way to get into the television industry. Um, and you know, you basically in London, you find the right pub where all the TV guy goes and you get a bit by bit. Anyway, I ended up at the BBC and I was as low down as you can go, you know, sweeping the floors and stuff. But somehow I ended up getting myself to go to the Cannes Film Festival in the South of France and that, you know, the world famous Cannes Film Festival. And first day there, I met a guy. <laughs> packed it all in and followed him like an idiot to Canada and um, it was so unprofessional you know so I ended up young alone um, and, and then pregnant in this foreign country and I wasn't very happy for a long time and I ended up having two children in the space of a year and a half and a man I'd never even had a date with <laughs> and I'm still married with him today you saw him for two seconds you know getting us onto the zoom and um, Anyway, so I kind of built a life there. And what was happening in England at the time was all these paint finishes, which was a way of really doing, like you see all over Italy, faux marble and, and tortoiseshell and stuff. And my friend in London had gone to a cl some classes to do it. So I thought, well, I can do that. 
So I used to ring her up and say, okay, how do I do Tuscan stone? How do I, you know, so I was sponging and ragging and dragging. And whatever I did, it, was, it sounds ridiculous, but it was a success. You know, it was like, because it was the first. So okay, I just, I just want to pause really quick because you're making it sound really easy. And I, and I will say that in, in the nineties, I had a boyfriend who was a decorative painter, who was an incredible artist. And he, oh, wow. did, he did Venetian plastering and faux marbling. Yeah. And at one summer, I got to be his assistant, which you can imagine how thrilling that was in the relationship. But, you know, I had an art background, too. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I can do Tuscan walls. It is not that easy. I did the sponging. Not, not that much fun either for me because we it was hard. So and I, I, st I, I still get hate mail from people's houses that I did saying, could you please come and get this off 25 years later? But it, yeah, it wasn't that easy, but I was young, you know. I was and you were still, good at it, obviously. Well, I guess I wasn't even that artistic, but, you know, I had a, I had an Italian partner in Montreal, a, a, a woman, a girl, really, who um, was brilliant at trompe l'oeil. You know, she could make faux panels or you know she could make a wall look like somebody was walking through it so she made me look really good anyway bit by bit um i start i started a school so i was doing people's houses they were flying me down to new york all the time to do bloomingdale's windows and it, it just exploded anyway i decided i was starting to to smell of paint thinner and you know my children were like oh you stink mum." and 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 my car smelled of chemicals and things like this so i thought well why don't i make a video showing people how to do this because everybody was was asking well how do you do that you know you are with your feather and stuff anyway i made a video called decorative paint finishes made easy and it exploded so Wait, i went can I ask to what you do you uploaded it onto youtube where did you oh, put this video this is this is way before youtube this was vhs so this was in the time the DIY or the, you know, things like Jane Fonda doing exercise, all this stuff, suddenly there was this new medium where everything was on, on, on a VHS, you know, movies. This is way before all that. Anyway, so, but they were sold, these kind of um, how-to things, Julia Childs doing cooking, me doing decorating, was sold in gift shops. So I went to the gift show in Atlanta and I was taking orders that be, I was like, how many zeros are on this? You know, a hundred thousand to uh, your Bloomingdale's, a hundred thousand here. Anyway, before I knew it, I'd sold over a million and I started to get invited on radio shows and television shows. And then what happened was, you know, that I remember the radio guys were like, this sounds about as interesting as watching paint dry because they were all men. And then suddenly it was like the lights would be line, shining up because what it did was it took an ordinary mum who didn't have much money. Um, it gave them the opportunity, you know, on a Saturday afternoon to sponge their kids' walls or stencil patterns on. You didn't have to be a designer. Anyway, one day I was at a, I was at a, um, a television show and actually I was in the green room with Tom Hanks and he was promoting his film. And I remember this producer coming in and asking Tom Hanks to hurry up and speed his um, his interview up because I was here. And he said, really, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm showing people how to strip off wallpaper type of thing. And, and he was like, wow, this is amazing. I think Rita would love what you're doing. Anyway, what what happened was um, at, at this particular television show, they, they said, would you be interested in turning this into a television show? And this was the beginning <laughs> of, it this was like, what, I know. And I was like, who would watch a TV series about paint? 
And of course I did it for 25 years and, and, and it was the first one. And this is before HGTV, Home and Garden Television. So these were, it was first PBS in America. Then it was Oprah's channel, which was the old Oprah's channel. Then it was HGTV. So these cable channels exploded because it meant that people, if they wanted to watch golf all day, they could watch golf. If they wanted to watch food, they watched the Food Network. And this was a new thing um, that, that really exploded in the, in the, in the noughties, if you will, you know, the end of the, the 90s. And, and I did many series. So we, we started our own television company to See, do this. I mean you know, I know I asked you what's the, you know, lifestyle jewelry, woman of all hats. I mean, essentially, we could say that you're a pioneer. Yeah, I think I am a pioneer. I think I mean, you for sure are a pioneer yeah. of, of video and then cable television and do-it-yourself television. Wow. Yeah, well, you know, we ended up, of course, it is do-it-yourself. When you start, you're making the crew lunch, which is your husband and your, you know, and the kids are sleeping in a, in a basket, by, but wherever you're filming. But bit by bit... Um, the numbers, realistic. they went, they were great. And within the budgets grew. And then we started after this, the, this first series was called The Painted House. And people will still walk up to me in the street. Young people say, you know, you mean so much to me because I came home from school and I used to watch with my mom. And, and, and we were in 80 countries, 25 languages. And we started as the budgets got big, we would start to go abroad. And what happened? So the idea and that's was. That's what I wanted to ask you. Did you just work in Canada at first? Was it at your house? Uh, well, actually, we worked in. It was in the U.S. So ah. um, the production company was in Montreal, but the show was for the for America, and then it, you know, and then it was on in Canada, and then within weeks it was sold worldwide. So okay. we produced. We drove all the way down the East Coast. We went everywhere. I mean, we went to Philadelphia. We went to Boston. We went, you know, and we would take a house, and we would do it up. And 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 it would it was it was pretty ghastly really because it was all around the theme, and so by the time the budgets got big, maybe on year three or something, we were doing themes. So we would go to the Caribbean and we would do reggae style. We would learn what reggae style was. We would come back and some poor sod would be given a reggae style living room. Well, of course it was it was free, so nobody said anything. That was the that was the funny thing about these these decorating shows, which everybody remembers, was because you know when the cameras were cut and all the expensive furniture that was borrowed left, you were left with polka dot walls and you know stuff like that. So it was it was a kind of crazy crazy time. Anyway, but the point was that we went to England, we went to France, we went to the Caribbean, we went to, to the Adirondacks, we gave somebody an Adirondack style, you know, bathroom, um, but we went to Italy and we did about four different pieces in Italy and we started in the north. And, you know, my husband was directing me then. And of course, then I had to fire him when I got so big years later. But um, <laughs> we, we started with Alberto Alessi in Milan, who is the designer, the manufacturer of all the beautiful Alessi products. And amazing guy. And then we worked our way down. And the first... Wait, so you did Alberto Alessi's house? No, I interviewed him for another piece on a show okay. and we, with Mandini and Mandini and Alessi were best or our best friends. And, you know, that he did the Swatch Watch and they yeah. and, and the smart car and the famous Mandini tile chairs and Alessi. I mean, and they were so handsome, these two men. But from Milan, we drove down through the Cinque Terre. And as you know, the Cinque Terre, these little 
towns on the coast, very beautiful. And I knew nothing about Italy at all. And um, we saw from the road a town that was all painted. So the houses were all different colors. And then there was a lot of trompe l'oeil. And trompe l'oeil, which means trick of the eye, is if you couldn't afford you know, stone corners on a house, they painted it, or on villas. You see it everywhere today, everywhere. And, or you wanted, you know, they would do trompe window boxes. So it would be, you know, it would look from afar like a real window box, but it was paint. So we stopped on the side of the road and there was a cameraman and a sound man and me and a couple of assistants and we started filming and it was one o'clock. And as we started filming high up on the cliff, this old lady comes out and she's dressed all in black and she starts shouting at us. And we thought, oh God, what have we done? And nobody spoke Italian. Anyway, bit by bit, we worked out what she was saying was, it's a lunchtime. You know, why are you working? And da, 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 it's a lunch. And she invited us into her house for lunch. We said, well, we can't because we have two vans full of expensive equipment. And, and she said, you know, no problem. The Nona comes out, stands in front of the, the vans, you know, <laughs> like four foot two. And uh, we go in and we sat on a terrace. Family came from everywhere. Where she got this food from, I don't know. We were there for hours. And we got in the back in the van and we were like, what just happened? It didn't matter that nobody understood what anybody was talking about. You know, there were children and grandparents and this and that. And, and, but there was something marvelous about it. And then this scenario happened like throughout the trip. Like one day there was an, we were lost and there was an old man on the side of this dirt road and we asked him which way to go and he got in the car, you know, <laughs> with his stick, avanti, avanti. We're like, you know, if that happened in North America, you know, you'd call the police. And, and there was this warmth and, and this magic. And so my husband and I just really, we couldn't, we just, couldn't get over it and we started to dream and this is what happens to so many people and we were it's the what if what if one day we make enough money we could buy we didn't know where to go so over the years we started putting pins in maps every every holiday was in Italy whether it was in Puglia or Sicily or in the north or the south or Tuscany or wherever we kept this dream alive anyway Long story short, I did one series after another. There was the painted house, then facelift, which when I arrived in Tuscany here, it was on television here four times a day. It was called um, SOS Debbie. Anyway, I did loads of series. I was a guest and a regular guest on many shows like Oprah, which was obviously the biggest. I, I did eight decorating books at the time. Um, I had a product line. I had syndicated columns in newspapers all over America and and you know you just had a it was a it was a factory of, of work but we would come here and we would climb over walls we'd look at these ruins we'd dream just as naive as anybody you know anyway but every time we came we felt good and this is what we kept saying why do we keep smiling why are we our skin looks good we feel happy we love each other more when we're in this country. Um, there were so many reasons, but whereas when you go on a normal holiday, everybody says, well, when you go on holiday, you feel relaxed, you feel good. But we kept it up when we went back. And so the dream started to come into fruition. And then we looked for seriously for five years and then we got a bit jaded. We, we just couldn't find 
the, 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 the tick off list. You know, I want this, I want this, I want this. We were working with um, estate agents, you know, real estate agents, and that was hard. I don't know if it's changed, but 12 years ago, they, it was really tough. You know, they just didn't take you seriously or they took you too seriously and they'd, they'd send you to some broken down villa and the before agents waiting for a check. And I'm like, I haven't even gone inside yet, you know? Anyway, as what happens with most people, it's, you know, it's the guy in the bar, the baristas, brothers, uncles, hamsters, sisters, friend, who knows of a house? And that's what happened. And we got a call. We were back in Montreal in Canada filming. You know, um, we were doing many shows then, not just for me. And we still do. You know, we were doing, we do crime shows. We do all kinds of stuff. Anyway, we got a call from a guy we'd met. Wait, wait, uh, who wait, had crime a shows? Oh, yeah, we do a lot of murder shows as well. We do... <laughs> We do that show on on Netflix called uh, Real Detective. There's a you know it's all about the yeah. you know cult, cult, that, that's us. So we do a, it's, it used to be about paint colors and, and and you know some of the cooking shows we did, the icing on the cake. Now it's about where did they find the feet, you know. <laughs> but well, uh, so you know you know in any business you move on you progress you evolve, right you move to, on you have you go to, to real crime stories. <laughs> Well, it pays more money than decorating shows. But that's how we began with decorating shows. But but this guy called us up and my husband, I was I was filming and I couldn't come. And my husband came over and he came to see this ruin, which is where I'm sitting now. And he and he rang me up and he said, Listen, you need to come out and see this. If you don't like it, I'm not coming back and I'll marry somebody in the village. <laughs> and the average age in our village is 85. And 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 so, but it took me several months to come. And this place was your typical ruin, but I'd already had this idea that I didn't want to be an expat doing nothing. And I know a lot of people have this same dream, many people. And one of the things that goes wrong, and we have you know, a mutual friend and we were talking about this, is you've got this romance of a place, but you can't just, you know, are you, okay, you just come and then what? You get fed up of your friends coming. You know, yet your family doesn't come anymore because they're busy going, they want to go to Florida this year or whatever. And 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 so you need to do something. You need to have, you know, a role to play. And it's very important. And I thought, well, listen, I have this huge place. I have all this volume, which means a footprint. So I have pigsties and barns. So I can build a place that's bigger than I need. Why don't I invite others to come here? And this was the beginning of the explosion of the retreat business, which now, as you know, over the years, has just gone crazy. So we did a five-year renovation, and it was sheer madness. I had 80 people here. My Italian is dreadful. And when I say dreadful, off the charts, useless, and it still is. But I managed with these wonderful men and, um, you know, just drawing stuff in the dirt. And it took really over five years. And um, we opened in 2015 to 20 women sobbing in, a, in the driveway because our view will bring you to your knees, you know. And we did our first retreat. And, um, and then we got a lot of press. We were very lucky. Television shows came out here because it was all new. And I did it very, very high end. I wanted it to be a place that, um, that women could come, started with women, that women could come. They didn't have to think about anything. They didn't have to say, oh, well, I've never been on my own. I've never traveled abroad or, you know, and, and a lot of women do come on their own. 
you know, we pick you up in Rome and we de deliver you back to the airport. And, and so it gave women an opportunity to also um, be safe, but also to meet like-minded women. So we've actually had women have gone into business together. You know, there's a lot of crying, a lot of drinking, a lot of laughing, a lot of fun, you know. And so it's, it's, like, it's like a week-long retreat? Um yeah it's a week and we basically we supply everything so that and that the point of that is you you can put your purse under the bed you can forget about it because you know you can if you take all the the issues and all the um daily where am i going to eat where am i going to go how much does that cost away from people then you get this empty um map in somebody's head and then ideas can come in and you see these children are these children these women turn into children they um <clears throat> they're like 14 year old girls at camp you know their behavior is atrocious you know at three o'clock in the morning i'm like girls you know you've got yoga at seven go to bed they are having the time of their lives because they've left everything behind and you know we get women who've gone through bad divorces or they've been in the same job for 15 years and they're fed up of it or they want a dream and they want to know that they're the same and and share they never stop talking never the yoga teacher who's from around here says this is the noisiest yoga class that i've ever taught it's just dreadful <laughs> <laughs> people are in downward 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 dog going well how many kids do you have i know i did that you know and it's like it's really funny because they're letting it all out and it's magic now it looks like, you know, I was looking through your site and I know the retreat that I would like to do. Um, you have not just one, it's many different kinds of retreats. In fact, the one that I was like, this is this, this is the retreat for me is the classic car one. Ah, oh, it's the being that the looks so cool. It, it is really cool. So basically a lot of women came and said, I want to come back with my husband. And they come, we have women or guests from Australia, South Africa, England, Canada and America. I mean, basically all over. And, um, and you know, you put women of different ages together. You put women from different countries, different jobs, different backgrounds. And, and like I said, magic happens. And then a lot of women said, oh, well, I'd love to come back with my husband. So we started these gourmet cooking weeks. So of course the guys arrived thinking, I'm only here to keep her quiet, you know. <laughs> but they ended up loving it because it's the camaraderie. And then my husband is a classic car fanatic. Um, he loves old cars. So just before COVID, we had one planned. And of course it fell through. And, and then it went ahead last September, four months ago. And, the, and, it, and the, the, the roles were reversed. So you see men, they're up at six o'clock in the morning. I'm like, guys, we don't start you know, the engines till nine o'clock, go and have breakfast. Well, can I watch the mechanics polishing? Can I go and help? Can I? And, and one guy said to me, I have not smiled this much since my wedding day. He says the muscles in my cheeks, because you're giving, you know, and, and the way we do it is the, well, I don't want to be sexist. The women do drive as well. It's mostly couples, but we get some singles come too. And the we do, we use Jeep, um, what do you call it? Um, uh, uh, what do they call when you speak into them? Uh, Walkie-talkies. Yeah. It's a, so no, no maps, no this, and and it is amazing. So you've got all these lines of classic cars, and we did a mountain day, we did a, a beach day, we did a Chianti day, and then we did a um, the last day is a um, is a, a movie day. So I set up a, now we put all the women together and all the men together and they were given clues because, you know, around this area of Tuscany, there's all kinds of um, 
uh, movies have been made, you know, from the gladiator to the English patient to, and of course now um, uh, Succession, uh, I've done season three here. Um, so anyway, there's, there's many, many films. So, so they've got all these clues and they have to go and find the clue. And then, you know, so, so it's, and then of course they, we stop at amazing restaurants on the way, some Michelin starred, some in castles, some in monasteries. And of course, no drinking because they're in these beautiful cars. And then at night, they you know they get back here and they have their aperitivo, and then there's a fabulous dinner here and a million stories to tell. You know, that just sounds fabulous. It is. It is. So, you know, for me, we still got our television company. As I said, we're still making shows and everything. Um, and of course, with COVID, we're all getting used to working from home. So, you know, we have an office here, and you know. Uh, it's, it's a new way of working and then about 10 times a year we uh, we do these events and now what is interesting is we do private events so people started to come to me to say you know I'm an inspirational speaker or I've got a following and, and I've written some best-selling books or you know I'm a mindfulness expert can I take your place over so that's really interesting for me because I, you know it's not about me it's about them so they bring their group, they bring, you know, 20 people and we just help them set it all up. If they want yoga, if they want massage, because it's a big property and a lot of land and, and you know, lots to do here kind of thing. Great pool and everything and meeting rooms. One of the things you said, you said that, you know, you have this guest who said he, 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 his face hurt from smiling so much. And actually, to be honest, the whole time we've been talking, I've been smiling and I, and I understand what he's saying because <laughs> you, you do bring that like ebullient joy. And that brings me to joy, your book. To joy. Because you just have, I, I don't even know how many books you have uh, on your, you know, in your author shelf, but you have a ton. And, and in, in November of 2021, joy came out. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about that? So, um, so I did a, I, I did eight decorating books uh, with Random House in New York. And then, um, then they asked me because I became quite well known and doing a lot of speeches about being a working mum, you know, and there's something bizarre about standing on the stage with a thousand women sobbing in front of you saying, I can't get through another day, you know? And so I wrote a book called not guilty and, you know, because all mums feel guilty about their kids and doing it right and doing it wrong and everything. Anyway, that the book was a bestseller. And then a few years later, I wrote a book called Design Your Next Chapter. And that was basically using my journey. Um, like the renovation here was easy compared to, am I doing the right thing? I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm giving up a successful world to put toilet rolls in people's rooms, you know, I mean, oh my god you know be careful what you wish for type of thing so i wrote a book called design your next chapter which again did really well and then i realized that a lot of um letters i got off people people felt they'd lost their passion they they weren't well and they had a lack of vitality and one thing italy has is a level of vitality i mean they moan and groan here but you know you see an 85 year old walking up those hills and you're like what you know and um, and i started to study especially the tuscan way of life what is it? it you know the food the way they eat the community that brings this joy into the life so that was the next book because you can't start a next chapter unless you've got the energy to do it and that's what people are lacking especially at a certain age you get to the stage where 
you know, you look at somebody like David Attenborough, he's 95 and he's just got a new series, you know, series out about penguins or something, you know, he's 95. And so when somebody is 50 and says to me, oh, I think I'm too old. I'm like, that's what we, you've got a long time ahead of you. So we must look after ourselves. So it's a kind of mindfulness wellness book, but it's also a picture book because to me, a picture sells a story. So an amazing photographer from North Carolina came here for a month and she just, she photographed a retreat. She photographed everything going on here. And, and we put recipes in as well. So the recipes are typical Tuscan, you know, things like ribolita and peachy pasta and things like that, but they're not so much about the food. It's about doing it together. So, like there's jam making in it. Now, if somebody had said to me, you know, five, eight years ago, <laughs> you're going to be making jam or jelly, as you call it, I, I would say, oh, don't be ridiculous. I'm far too busy for that kind of stuff. But now when you see how lonely people are getting and they're losing the ability, especially younger people, to get people together. To connect, I mean, yeah. I know what you're saying. So, so the Italians are good at this. You know, in the summer you go to any village and you'll see the nonas rolling out pasta. They can buy just as good a pasta in the shop. It's about working, you know, the grandchildren running around. It's about them bitching about their husbands. It's about them talking about what did she think she was doing wearing that dress. It's about life. And, and that's what we've kind of walked away from. So the jam making is about say to your next door neighbor, bring a friend, I'm bringing a friend, bring your own jars. I'll get the plums because they're in season or the peaches and we'll spend Sunday afternoon making jam. So yes, at the end of it, you might get a nice jar of jam, but what you really get is an afternoon where you've drunk wine, you've laughed, you've giggled, you've bitched, you've howled, you've cried. And that there's a science behind that. So that's the next step of the book. So my oldest friend, really from the age of 18, is a, a very, very good uh, uh, nutritional therapist in London. So she knows all the stuff about cortisol and the endorphins and all this kind of stuff. So I would say to her, you explain it to me, what happens when you're laughing in a kitchen with a bunch of friends to your body? So we, we have these, uh, she's called Jackie and they're called Jackie boxes. And that explains, like we all understand or we've all heard of the runner's high, mm -hmm. right? The runner's high. We know that, not that I've ever had it, but you know, so we know that when people go, it. yeah, you do. Yeah. So you get, you know, I, I used know, to, I used 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 to go running and I'm not a morning person. I used to. I started, I read a book on Bruce Lee and I fell in love with Bruce Lee and his mentality. And so I started working out and I was, start, oh. I started running and I was, I was never a runner. And then all of a sudden, like I had to run every morning. I didn't run. I think I ran like three or four kilometers, but I ran, but I ran them. I didn't jog. I was running, pushing. And, I, yeah. and, I, and then I, and I would do it at six in the morning, which I never got up before seven. And, but it was like, I, I craved it kind of like, I was like, it was, it would be like, I'd go for a run and then I'd want to have like a really good drink after at like six in the morning. It was weird. Cause I was like, this is great. It was like an amazing, I was, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Because you were craving the feeling, not the physical, that's the hard work, but the feeling it was giving you, it's like the same as the end of the day, you've had a long day. It's that first glass of wine. It's that, it's that expectation. Yes. Now, some are habits, some are good habits, some are bad habits, but, but there is a chemical in your body that's causing that. So we put that in as well. So 
it's it's simple but it makes you understand it's why we put on weight there's a chapter on sleep because I, I, if you I just was looking at that actually well if you look at how the italians sleep um you know you can set your clock by uh by the time you know i always think if you flew over italy at like 11 o'clock you see all the lights going out at the same time they are creatures of habit and and the siesta so when we were doing the renovation here at exactly one at 12 30 the phone calls start to mama about what they're going to cook for lunch it's and they're talking about food and at one o'clock tools go down like you can set your clock by it and then i thought well okay so for Americans, when they come to Italy and they see the shops closing for a couple of hours at lunchtime, you think what a ridiculous thing. They're losing all that business. But actually, it's a wonderful thing. But then you think, are they sleeping for two hours? They're not. They're sleeping for 20 to 30 minutes because that's your rhythms, you know? And again, that's the science in the book. Because people say, well, if I nap, you know, I feel all groggy and horrible. But that's if you go into a deep sleep. So if you if you go to sleep for an hour, you've gone into a different rhythm. And, you know, you're, you're, you, you do feel you've, you've gone into a deeper sleep. So they do these short naps and, and it becomes a habit. And they have a coffee before they go to sleep. So the coffee, 20 minutes, 30 minutes later, gives them the boost later. <sighs> and, if you, and if you do that, then you don't have the... Um, you don't have the kind of sugar highs that a lot of North Americans have at four o'clock in the afternoon because they go and get a donut because they, they need that boost of energy. So there is a science behind all this. So the book is these, you know, lessons from a Tuscan villa. And a lot of it is not saying, it's not saying um, it's better to live here or, you know, Tus the Tuscan way of life. It's because this is a traditional way of life and it's how our grandmothers and great grandmothers lived all over the world. So they, they had better communities. They had more routine in their lives. They ate better. They ate fresher food. And so it's trying to bring back some of those simple things that don't cost any money, um, you know, back into our lives. So, so it, it's, you know, people say, well, I, you know, I can't move to Tuscany. But also the guests that come here, the reason I wrote this is because at the end of the week, we do a forum and people look amazing. It's like, forget Botox and facelifts and stuff like this. You know, they all look 10 years younger and they all say the same thing. And they get a bit angry with me and they say, you know, I, I've never, I haven't felt like this for years. But it's not fair. You have an auto, you have a, a vegetable garden, you have land, you have a medieval village with little old ladies sitting on the wall in the evening talking. I don't have that. I live in an apartment in Philadelphia or whatever. How do I bottle this? How do I bring it home? So that's what the book's about. It's about, it doesn't tell you one diet to do. Of course, it's based on the Mediterranean diet, but it's it's about community, it's about sleep, it's about purpose. And then I put in, am I rambling? <laughs> no, 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 I'm, 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 you're, you're, you're wonderful. But, anyway, so, but the other thing, I, because I was so, so intrigued by the locals, um, I started to interview, and that, you know what Italians are like, they're very funny people. They have a very similar sense of humor, I find, to the Brits. And, and not that I understand a lot of it, but, you know, You'd ask these 80 year olds in the village that, you know, these little stories or, you know, why do you look so great? And you're 86 and, you know, you're looking at the girls and all this kind of stuff. And they tell you these stories 
and then magical. So in each one, there's a little, in each lesson, there's a little picture, all in black and white, of, an, of a local. And oh, I still, love Mr. Trombetti. Mr. Trombetti. Well, Mr. Trombetti was born on this property. There were, it's a Padera, you know, a fortified farm. And Mr. Trombetti and his family, there were 20 of them lived on the top floor. And now he's got, you know, an apartment, very new apartment in the village. And he comes down here sometimes and I say, you know, this is a completely different property now. And he's like, oh, you can keep that pile of stone. You know, I've got my nice, nice apartment that doesn't cost me much to run. And he's like in his late 80s. But, you know, they all have a story. And then they're not all locals because one of them is Francis Mays, who wrote Under the Tuscan Sun. And I became very good friends with Francis because the first year I was living in a tent in, with no roof inside the rubble until finally there was no plumbing and the builders said, you need to get an apartment somewhere. But I didn't know anybody. I didn't know where to get my hair cut. I didn't know where to buy tile. I didn't know, I didn't know anything. And so I found through social media, I found a phone number for Frances because she sells olive oil from her farm in Cortona. So I rang her up and, and again, this is what I like to get across to people because people are like, oh, I could never do that. But you don't have a choice today. We have to reach out. And she didn't say get lost. I said, look, I'm really lonely. I don't know anybody. I barely speak. The She'll come for, come for a cup of tea. Well, of course, that ended up into two bottles of wine. And she's been friends ever since. And I asked her with this book, I said, look, I'm writing a chapter about purpose. Because every country in the world has a word or a phrase, the, the, the raison d'etre in French. Uh, qi in 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 uh, Chinese, you know, every, every all different Asian countries have it, and it means basically my reason for getting up in the morning. And if a woman says I don't have, or anybody says I, I've lost my reason to get out of bed, I I don't wake up with excitement. I don't wake up. I wake up without a purpose. That is a very hard, upsetting sad scenario. Francis, who's, you know, maybe 20 years older than me, she's got more energy than anybody I know. She's onto her God knows how many books. Um, I think she's got another novel coming out, another movie's being done on a book. She's uh, during lockdown, she did a pasta book and, and she's incredible. So I said, will you tell me something about purpose? You're sitting in this small Italian town, Cortona. And she said, and so she wrote a beautiful piece about what purpose means to her. And she said, it can be as simple as I want some, these eight pages finished by the end of the week, or I'm going to go and find those gorgeous peaches that are in the shop, you know, or I'm, you know, I'm going to go and chat with so-and-so in the market today. They, they can be, it doesn't mean I have to own a conglomerate, you know, because I think we've got so used to purpose and passion has got to be about being, you know, super wealthy and, and successful, but actually we're dialing back now because of what's happened to everybody with COVID. And, and really it's about how I feel when I, I, I call a friend who I haven't spoken to since school. That's purpose. So she wrote, a <laughs> she wrote such a beautiful piece. I said, God, you make my writing look like crap. <laughs> she's such a good, oh my God, she's such a good writer. I'm so envious, but, um, but yeah, so there's these little stories of local people that we can all adapt. And 
some of the letters I've had, I had one yesterday, somebody said, I just finished the last page and I'm starting at the first again. And I, I, to me, that means everything because you're trying to give them joy through these beautiful pictures, just beautiful. But it might be just a tree. So you don't have to come to Tuscany to see a tree. So, you know, we talk about forest bathing and, you know, forest bathing is not stripping your clothes off as my husband thought running through the forest. Cause he said, can I be there for that? <laughs> he said, he said, when are you shooting this bit? I'm like, no, it's not a bunch of women running through the forest. But forest bathing is, you know, the forest, the woods, the trees give off so much. And if you're anxious, which many of us are today, and you're really feeling on the edge, go to a park. It is so essential. It's as essential as cleaning your teeth or, or you know, that email you've got to get out. Go and, and spend 20 minutes. Find a tree that you just love. That's your tree. Watch it go through the season. Talk to it. Remember people used to talk about, uh, oh, my mum was crazy. She talked to trees. Well, actually, she wasn't crazy because there's an energy and you do feel it. And so these are things you can do anywhere. And we do, I walk in the woods every day. And I'm lucky I have woods here. But you can find a park near you or a bench. You know, go and sit under a bench and just do nothing. Put your phone away for 20 minutes. And it's, and sometimes it's very difficult. It's very hard to get into that habit. But you say, I'm going to do it every day for a week. Sounds like mindfulness. It's mindfulness. It's, and it's really it's a, hard. It's very hard for people. And mindfulness, I think, it always, for me, it's terrifying. You know, and we have a mindfulness expert at our retreats who's American. She's from Boston and, and lives here, teaches in Rome, and she's incredible. But people are terrified when they go to, you know, we, we, we have a meditation pond and we go down there. You know, I'm sitting there with one eye open to make sure everybody's having one time. Or, and I'm thinking, oh, I think there's a leak in the pond or there's this, you know, I can't get into it but if you do something as simple kind of don't call it mindfulness just say it's my time and just say i'm going to do nothing for those 10 minutes or 20 minutes i'm just going to sit and it's normal that these thoughts come in and out but bit by bit you'll be listening to a bird or you'll be you know even if you do your mind wanders it doesn't matter but just give yourself that time and and again there's a jackie box you know when we talk about this, um, that explains what actually scientifically happens to your body and the importance of it, because that's why we get drained. That's why we feel it's a, it's a, it's a terrible circle that we get into. And, um, and sometimes you do need the, the courage to knock on a door and say, look, I'm making pasta Sunday afternoon. I know it's crazy. Do you want to come and help me? I can guarantee very few people are going to say, you know, that mad woman next door and shut the door in your face. But that's what we think. Yeah. You know, we think people, but we're all the same now. And loneliness, we have, you know, we used to have the average age was 40 to 60 come here. Now we get younger ones and who are the most anxious and very afraid, you know, because they're not giving time for themselves. They're not listening and they're not making real friends. So how do you do it? When you see the, that row of five ladies in the village with their little legs dangling on the wall, and they're there every day at six o'clock, you know, and you see them all over Rome. It's like, what are they talking about every day? 
doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. But something is happening. You look at their skin. You look how healthy they look. And where are, you know, one of the saddest questions I get from our guests, we take them to the market, Montepulciano, Thursday market. Amazing market. They get cheap shoes and fabrics and linens and, you know. But the one question that brings me to tears is they go, why are there so many old people here? And I say, that's the wrong question. Where are all your old people? Where are they? You're in Boston. Where, where are they? That's a, great, that's a great way to look at it. Wow. Because in Italy, they're with their families. They're at home. Mind you, I do tell my children that. And they say well, they've, already bu- they've already bought Windy Pines for me. But um, <laughs> um, no, you're not living with us, mom. Um, but but it, that is a beautiful way of life. And, and, you know, Asian communities live like that. European, you know, the old Portugal, France, Italy, the old communities, they look after their, their families. And the, those older people have a purpose because their children are at work. So they have to go and get the roast chicken for dinner. They have to do that. They have to pick up the grandchildren and stuff. Keeps you alive. Better than an old people's home. Much better, much better. Um, yeah. I just keep thinking it takes a village. I know that that statement's been cliched, but that's I've always felt that way in regard to my Italian family and my Italian life. You know, it's, it's, yeah. multi, it's multi-generational. We all do something. Sometimes it's a pain when it like you have to be at every single birthday dinner. <laughs> exactly. But it's it's like that word, the passeggiata. I don't know if I say that right. But, you know, I used to think when we were coming here looking for houses and stuff, wherever I was in the country, it could be a main road. It could be a back road. There was a line of people walking at the same time every day. And it has a name. And And so what does it mean? It means, A, you get your exercise. It doesn't have to be a marathon run everybody's out mums with strollers you know teenage kids chatting away you know some go to straight to the, for an aperitivo grannies are out everybody's out so it's a way at the end of the day before you start the dinner to get together and um, you know in england we have the pub and it's pretty much the same thing it's that buffer you know of you know in north america we get in the car you finish work in the old days <laughs> before covid you get in the car now with COVID, you go from the living room or the kitchen table, you know, maybe to the bedroom. That your commute is your commute is the hallway, which is just increasing our loneliness. Yeah. And yes, it will it will be over. But when you go to say Rome and all those, you know, they're not just tourists sitting in the piazzas. They're friends catching up, having a chat, having a drink. They drink less than, especially less than Brits. But it's it's having the drink is the excuse to sit down and talk. You know, my mom was widowed at 33 and she had um, a neighbor over the fence. And I used to watch her chatting with this neighbor and that's what got her through it because they could talk about, you know, we had lodgers to make some money. You know, we had a couple of men would live in, live in the house and, you know, she had to feed them in the evening and stuff. And she would laugh at these guys and, and, and you know, they were just, they were London men and we were in the, you know, in the middle of nowhere. And, um, and, and, and she was obviously sad because she'd lost my dad, but, and she had four children under, um, under 10. And, and, but what got her through it was you just shooting the breeze 
over the fence. Now, we've, we've learned to do that through social media, which is great. It's got its purpose, but we need to now, for our own sanity, talk in person. We need to go to find a piazza, find a coffee shop that you love. And, and you know, I say to people, you know, coffee is an institution in Italy. It's also an institution in America. Um, but the way they drink it is different, right? In in Rome, you walk into a bar, the noise level is crazy. Hey, no, no, you're all talking. You you lean at the bar. You rarely sit down, but you never take it out. And you drink it. Have a great day. Off you go. You go. In, but you've had that lift. Those endorphins have flooded through you. In North America, you go in. You get it in a styrofoam cup. You get in the car. And you go. And off you. And you're alone. So the coffee does its thing, but you've had no social contact really. Why not say, okay, for 10 minutes, you know, I'm going to sit down and have it out of a porcelain cup. And I'm going to talk, and you'll start to recognize people. I'm going to talk to the girl sitting at the next table saying, oh, coffee's good today. You know, people can only ignore you and talk to somebody else. And, and then you realize you feel good. You know, somebody smiling. You know, it's funny. Uh, my my younger daughter. So we we've lived in the same neighborhood ever almost since she was born. What happened was in the sixties and seventies, especially in America and Canada, where you know we had this mass construction, and the dream then was suburbia. We had wider streets, we had trees. You got people out of the cities and into suburbia. And then suburbia grew and grew and grew and the houses got closer together. They got further out. Everybody needed a car. So what happens now? You walk out of your house, into your car. And sometimes you don't even walk out of your house. You go into your garage and into the car and you're gone. So you've missed, you might say good morning to the neighbor as he walks down the path. Now you can't change that. We can't go backwards. So you have to find a new form of community. We're not, I'm not saying enjoy that people have to live in a little village or, you know, with the piazza and stuff like that. No, but we need to find something different. We have to say, okay, let's join clubs. Let's chart. You know what's a big thing in England now are foraging clubs. And I love this yeah. because... You know, the Italians forage. And when I, when I first came here, you know, you'd see people, you know, I'd see this old man and he, you know, he'd have his pants tied up with string and he'd be in the bushes pulling things out. And I would say that, you know, he must be so poor because he can't buy his own garlic. Turns out he owns 20 vineyards down the road, you know. He's got more money than sense, but he gets the best garlic. He knows where to find them, you know. Yep. And, and, all, and so... Now, you know, we're, we're creating these foraging clubs where what happens is, it's, let's say it's Sunday afternoon. It's somewhere where you can go alone because not everybody has somebody they can go with. So what happens? You get to go out in the fresh air. You get to learn something about a particular leaf that you can eat. Um, and you get to meet new people. And, and you have a lovely afternoon. And you make new friends. Because also, as you get older, it's harder and harder. When you've got young children, it's very easy to make friends because that's your connection. You meet other mums, you know. Yeah, you're, school, you're... you've got the vet, sports. Yeah, you, that's how you yeah. But then when that's done, or if you don't have that. Well, that's what the empty nest syndrome is all about. Suddenly, you know, you're 45, your kids have gone off to college 
And some women take this really, really hard. Not me, I changed the locks. <laughs> I moved and didn't tell them. Um, but, you know, it, you know, I was like, yeah, they've gone. But, um, but, you know, a lot of people do find, because your purpose has gone. Your purpose is to get up in the morning, get the kids off to school, make sure, you know, you can fit in your job, you know, get the groceries. Do You have a, a crazy life when you're raising children. Suddenly that's being dialed back. And it's a very hard time for people. And, and so you need to find a new purpose. The kids aren't coming back. Well, sometimes they do, but um, <laughs> you don't want them back. But, you know, they go on to their own lives. They get jobs. They get partners. They get, you know, and, and you know, it's a, different, it's a different scenario. So you can't be the mum following your kids all over. You have to be the purpose. You have to find what you want to do. And, it, and then you see the advantage of that you're not spending as much money as you do with small children. You know, um, your money's yours. You've got more time. I mean, you remember the days of going to the movies, it would cost you a fortune with your kids. You have to get a babysitter, you have to, you know, you know, just the cost of going out. So you think, oh, can't be bothered, you know. Now you can go and, kids are gone, you can go and sit in a bar all night. You know, you can go to a movie, you can do all these things. You can spend time with your partner. Um, you can go out with a friend and so look at the advantages of that instead of sobbing into your coffee say you know what this is my time i'm going to write that book i'm going to start my own coffee shop i'm gonna you know do whatever you know you can start a next chapter but then you need to have the help so speaking of next chapters i just wanted to quickly ask you i know that you've started you have a new chapter right now it's we're past the book you have a new product launch, is that correct? Yeah, we launched yesterday. So I've, I've had a few in the past. So it's um, cheap and cheerful, it's beautiful. And uh, but it's only available in Canada, but it's in a huge chain across the country. Um, but it's all kinds of linens. And I'm, I'm actually sitting on one of the beds we filmed in yesterday. Um, so I, you know, I, I do have a team that still do that. So it keeps my hand in design, which I, you know, I still love. Um, but I love here, I love here better. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I'm lucky because this is a, a big place and having these retreats helps run it. Um, like you, you know, I found it quite easy making friends here because you read, like we have this mutual friend, Arlene, and, and I just reached out to her. And, and you do that because you've got one thing in common and that's the, the, the good, the bad and the ugly and the frustrating of Italian life. And, and, you know, nowhere is perfect, nowhere. So you have to work, you know, I, I love Tuscany, but there are things that drive me crazy. Like I was back in Canada in September and I had to go and get an international driving license. And I walked in, the woman, I thought I was all ready for a fight. And then the woman said, do you have a picture? I said, oh no, oh, no, I don't. She said, I'll take one. And I was standing back out in the street three minutes later with my license. If that was here, <laughs> it'd be like a month. You know, I'm like, oh no, I don't know, I don't know, you know, whatever. You know, because those kind of things take longer, they're frustrating, they're harder. So, you know, in North America, you get things, those kind of bureau bureaucratic things get done quickly, but you have to weigh it all up, you know, and, and you have to delve on the good. So when you're frustrated about something, you have to say, yes, but look at that view or that bowl of pasta or friends and things like that 
Exactly. Exactly. I agree. Well, I'm, I'm so excited that I had the chance to speak with you. I, I love your book. Um, I'm really happy to share it with our listeners on Chao Bella. So everybody, you know, I, I'll have it in the notes on my, on my website, chaobella.co, but please take a look. Um, I feel, Debbie, if you want to present your book title, put, tell us the book's name, everything. Joy, Life Lessons from a Tuscan Villa. So it's everything I've learned here about the way of life of these people. And it's a, it's a picture book. It's a large hardback. You can get it on Amazon. The great thing today is you get books sent from all over the world. And um, the photos and are really, they are, they are really, I was looking oh. at them. They're, they're, I was really captured by them. They're really beautiful. So kudos to your photographer. Yeah. Yeah, you she's also <laughs> Stacy Van Burkle. Uh, she's from North Carolina. She's she. I mean, some you just. I loved. I just open the book sometimes, and there's a picture, and it just it just makes you smile. And and sure. and the more you smile, the more again these endorphins go through you, and and you feel better. You feel healthier. Um, and and I think it came at a good time because I started it before COVID, and then of course. I was three quarters of the way through and I, I thought I might as well just, I'll just call it bloody miserable because we're all inside and stuck and and, <laughs> and then I realized how much it resonated with people that we're craving contact. We crave to see people's lovely faces and their smile. You know, we're craving taking the masks off and, and, and it is coming. It is going to get better. Um, and so I think, you know, you, it's like going on a diet you you know you want more of more of the good stuff you know so when it's taken away from us which covid robbed us of so many good things in life um when it's taken away we appreciate it more and now we want to get it back we want more joy well thank you for bringing me joy and thank you for bringing all of us joy and it's been a pleasure having you on Ciao Bella. thank you so much thank you Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Ciao Bella. If you'd like to know more about today's guest, please visit ciaobella.co and click on the podcast link or go directly to ciaobella.co backslash podcast. Want more Italy? You can find all my episodes on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher. When you have time, subscribe to iTunes and rate the podcast. What are you waiting for? And if you want to be part of the podcast, email me or DM me your Italy questions. To learn more about me and my work, go to my website, ericafirpo.com, and follow my Italy adventures on Instagram at ericafirpo. Ciao, Bella! And a very big thank you and hug to Massimiliano Yonta, the producers of Ciao, Bella, who continue to make me sound and feel great. 